0: Maybe compliment them if you think that they are worthy of that compliment. Only joking. It's so good to see you all. Thank you for spending your Easter Sunday with us here at City Lights. If we haven't met before, my name is Andrew. And uh, with my wife, we are delighted to lead this church. Uh, Beck sends her love. We have a, a sick kid at home. Uh, We've had a little bit of a run of sick kids, but uh, a little bit of a fever, but she really wants to be here, and she wants to say hello to all of you. Uh, Do we have any movie fans? Anyone enjoy watching movies? We've got a few. So in our household, the type of movies that I like to watch, are movies that are interesting, movies that are uh, inspiring, movies that are unpredictable. Right, so you know, a lot of movies they follow a very, very predictable plot sequence, and uh, you know, you can kind of clock off or zone in and zone out. And so, those are the type of movies that I like to watch—the ones with unexpected, with twists, with characters. Now, Beck, my beautiful wife, she is a very busy mum, and so when it comes to movies. And we say, I say, let's watch this movie. She's thinking, is this a worthy investment of my time? How many mums can say that? Like, she's like, I've got maybe like, because quite often we'll watch movies over like multiple nights. All right, so we got three kids, where we uh, where both quite, our lives are quite full, and so she'll be thinking, is this a worthy use of my time? And so what will happen is we'll kind of. From time to time we don't do this all at all the time we'll agree to watch a movie we'll be sitting down and I'll be like everything queued up ready to press, press the play button and then I'll be like honey are you coming and she's like start without me and I'm like uh, no no I don't want to start without you I want to I want to watch this together I want us to to uh to to uh, share this moment together and she's like uh, she's like I'll just be 2 minutes and then I'm like 2 minutes later are you coming she's like I just had to put a load of washing on, okay? I'll, I'll be there soon, all right? So eventually, and then she says, start without me. And I say, like, I, I don't want to start without you. Start, start without me. Okay, start without So I start without her. Then she comes in a, a couple of minutes late, and then she sits down. And then when she sits down, she might have got some messages or to check some things on her phone. So she's there. She's scrolling through. And then we get to about 15 minutes into the story, and then she's like, who's this person? And so then I pause, and this is dangerous because who knows, it's hard to explain a movie to someone. It's hard and it's also boring. Okay, let's be honest. So you stop the movie and you say, well, didn't you see this person in the first scene and then they came and it gets very complicated very quickly. Even some of you are getting bored right now, so I know how boring it is to be telling a story about a movie that you're not even watching. So the type of movies that I like They've got multiple characters. There's twists. There's plot twists. One of my favourite movies, if you've ever seen it, it's called Tenet. And uh, I don't often watch movies more than once, but I had to watch this movie about three times just to figure what was going on, right? And that's the type of movie that I like. It's not predictable. I had no expectation coming in, walking out of the cinema. I had a rough idea of what went on, but I enjoyed it. When it comes to... Easter, and the life of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. This is a story which is interesting. It's unexpected. There's a lot of twists. There's a lot going on. And for me, I know that even as I'm engaging, reading, meditating on the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus... I'm still kind of trying to work out what is going on. There's still new things. There are so many things that are counterintuitive, don't make sense. There's so many things that are puzzling. And there's a lot of it. It was like if I was making up a story about God coming to earth, I wouldn't do it anything like that. There'd be like way more like fireworks, fireworks, and like epic characters, and Jesus is the ultimate epic character, but don't get me wrong, what I'm saying is, you would make him this more powerful God being, or at least that's what I would do, but in the story of Jesus, in the crucifixion of Jesus, it defies expectation, we call it upside down. That's the title of this series, upside down, things that you expect to happen, don't Happen. For example, the main character, Jesus, dies. That's unexpected. Isn't it? That's a plot twist you didn't see coming. And he's dead. And he's buried. But then something happens. And even in what we call Holy Week, the week of the crucifixion of Jesus, it's unusual. You see donkeys, Jesus coming in on Palm Sunday on a donkey. You see dinner parties. Jesus has one last meal and he chooses to spend it washing the feet, a servant's job or even a job below the servant, washing his disciples' feet and sharing a meal with someone who would betray him and hand him over to be tortured. And that's what he chooses to spend. That doesn't make sense to me. From a human level, from an interpersonal level. Who would choose that? Why would they do that? There are so many twists. He is there praying with his disciples. He's in intense anxiety. And the Bible says uh, that he is in so much uh, that his body is under so much pressure, which is an actual medical condition that the capillaries in his uh, in his blood burst, and he's actually sweating blood. This is how much anguish he is knowing what is ahead of him. And his best mates, his disciples, they're asleep. He wants them to pray and they fall asleep. I've been there. That's me in the story. And then we come to his crucifixion, which we remembered on Good Friday, brutally crucified to death. This is not a fairy tale. Okay, his body clawed open with whips, with lead and bone. You could see inside his body, it's, you could see his arteries and his vein. He is mocked, he is betrayed, and he dies. But that's not the end of the story. The resurrection of Jesus, which is what we are celebrating today, it's the centrepiece of Christianity. And the Apostle Paul, he even says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, which I agree with. And if Christ has not been raised, that's a resurrection, then all our preaching is useless and all your faith is useless. Christianity without a risen Christ is worthless. It has no power. But you've got to also say, what kind of power, what kind of things happened that more than 2,000 years later... In Brisbane, a group of people who have no connection to that story apart from Jesus are here honouring and celebrating. Our culture has been shaped. Our world has been shaped. Whether or not you profess to have faith in Jesus, the world was changed under the influence of Jesus Christ. But here's what I want to say. The resurrection story is Cloaked in confusion for a lot of people. And as we start to read an account from the book of John, it's cloaked in confusion. There's a lot of confusion going on. Why? The the number one reason why is that people don't rise from the dead. right? So even if you say, so even if you're, you're here and Tom's here and he says, hey, he's been telling us for months, I'm going to die. And then I'm predicting that I will rise from the dead. And then we'll be like, hey, buddy, that's good. Awesome. Here, come and put this special white jacket on. It's, got, it's one that you're allowed to give yourself a hug with, right? So we would think you are crazy. But then Jesus is doing all kinds of miracles. He even raises somebody from the dead. And, and still we get to this point where... People are confused, like what has happened? The grave is empty. The stone has been rolled away. The stone, easy to put in, hard to take out. Somebody has taken him. They've come, grave robbers have taken Jesus to make sport of him, to humiliate him further. What has happened? And there's confusion. And we see as we read the different gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, here are some of the responses. Some people are puzzled. Some people are skeptical. It says, it sounded like nonsense. I don't believe it. Some people are fearful and frightened. They're trembling. They're afraid to talk because there are angels there. There are all kinds of things happening. Others are energized. There's action. There's running. There's calling. All kinds of things and i would say that for many people those listening to me online or those in this room we've got some level of confusion some of us are skeptical some of us are like i'm i'm not really sure that that happened some of us are confused some of us are a bit afraid at times like what if it really happened what does that mean for me what if the message of jesus is true What if it's real? And some of us also are energized by this. We're running, we're telling, we're investigating, we're looking deeper, we're going further. And the title of my message today is called Meeting Jesus on Resurrection Sunday. And the passage of Scripture is from John chapter 20. And it's talking about the first encounter with Jesus... That somebody ever had. And it starts with this. John 20 verse 1. It says, Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And she ran and found Simon Peter, the other disciple, if you know uh, a little bit of the story of the Bible. and, And the other disciple, probably John, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they are. They have put him. Now, here's what's interesting about this story. The first thing that's interesting is that Mary Magdalene is the person who was chosen. Why is that interesting? It's interesting because in a Jewish court of law, women didn't have any rights. They weren't considered a fit witness. Their testimony was not considered. But still in the Bible, in Matthew and Mark, we see Mary Magdalene as a continual witness. She was there at the death of Jesus. She was there at the burial of Jesus. She was there when the tomb was closed. And she was there when the tomb was open. Now, why would the people who have compiled the Bible chosen... Mary, if she wasn't a witness. The reason is because that's actually what happened. She was there. That's what happened. Why not the disciples? So who was Mary? Well, she was a disciple, a follower of Jesus. She was probably one of Jesus's wealthy supporters. The Bible records that she had Seven demons cast out of her. So, if you have uh, a demonic presence within you and you are brought into freedom from that demonic presence, who knows, you would be grateful. That would be a big transformation. Now, some of you are just stuck on the whole demon things. Like, are you talking about like she had demons, as in sometimes we like say, Oh, I'm just fighting my demons, which means I'm trying to overcome the past or the trauma from the past. No, these are like literal demons. A question, how does somebody get demons? Somebody gets demons back then, the same way people get demons now. And that's by opening themselves up to the demonic, through witchcraft, through tarot cards, through psychics, through astral travel, all kinds of things. These are opening up. Some of you are like, "Ah oh, you've kind of lost me a little bit here talking about demons, but there is a natural Realm and there is a supernatural realm, and our culture kind of half believes in it. We have a lot of TV shows about it, and then we do a little bit of it, but then we're a little bit skeptical at the same time and say that we're just totally logical and totally rational. But here, Mary Magdalene had been free by Jesus, so she was deeply moved, she was a follower. But she was very confused about what was happening. And in verses 3 to 10, let me give you a summary. So she goes and uh, she finds uh, Peter and John and they run to the tomb. They see the empty grave clothes. And it says that the grave clothes were folded, but it's most likely that they were twisted, particularly the headcloth, like you would Put a turban or put a covering. So the picture is here. It literally, uh, scholars believe that literally looked like a butterfly coming out of a cocoon, and so they're puzzled. They don't know what's going on, even though Jesus told them about it. And they're like, then they leave, and then they go home. And so in verse eleven, we pick it up, and Mary is standing outside the tomb crying and as she wept she stopped and looked in now she was probably wailing the middle eastern wail this deep mourning this deep cry not a not a quiet and she was wailing because that was what was done but also because Jesus was her friend Jesus was the one who set her free. And she's thinking, well, if Jesus is gone, what now? If you've lived under depression and darkness, if you've lived under oppression and Jesus has saved you, but then Jesus leaves, what next? What does her future look like? She's got all these questions running through her mind. And she's there, she's in anguish, she's in grief. And she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said, Dear woman, why are you crying? Seems like a pretty obvious question, right? Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. verse 14 it said she turned to leave and some and saw someone standing there it was Jesus but she didn't recognize him and here's what i want to say is in her hurt in her confusion in her grief that's where jesus met her that's what's so wonderful about jesus and that's What is the invitation that is available to you if you've come and you've got some unanswered questions, you've got some confusion, maybe you've got some tragedy or some trauma going on in your life, you've got some things that are not right, some places where you feel stuck in your life and Jesus meets you in the confusion, in the pain, in the grief, in the doubt, in the fear. And this person who is Jesus asked the same question Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, Who are you looking for? And she thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, If you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. Have you ever read that verse before or heard that before? That the first time that somebody met the resurrected Jesus, he looked like a gardener? If you're a gardener, you should be like <laughs> pumping your chest. Yeah, we, we got this. Landscape gardeners. We got this. That's the most Christ-like occupation. It was carpentry. Change to gardening. This is so unexpected. If you were making up this story, what would you put in? I'd probably be going robes, right? I'd probably be going glowing in some way. Like, wouldn't you? Like, why would you put this? Jesus is appearing, the resurrected Jesus, appears as a gardener. I want to tell you that encountering Jesus is always unexpected. It's always unexpected. We have these conceptions and preconceptions in what to expect. But I want to encourage you, just keep your eyes open, your ears open. Maybe today you've come in with a preconception of who Jesus is and what it is like to meet Jesus. There is no doubt He's powerful. There is no doubt He is God. But the way that he wants to connect with you, it's always personal. It's always unexpected. And so here, even the resurrected Jesus, he comes in humility. He comes not in his glory. We see that later. And here's what happens is when we meet the resurrected Jesus, He replaces our confusion with a couple of things. He replaces our confusion with confidence. He replaces our confusion with courage. And He replaces our confusion with a calling. He calls to us. He gives us a personal invitation. And from this story, I want to give you five ways that the resurrected Jesus, when you meet Him, will displace confusion in your life. John 20, 16, the story continues. Mary, Jesus said, and as soon as he said that, she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. And he says, don't cling to me, for I have yet ascended to the Father. But go and find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told him, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. So here's the first of five ways the resurrected Jesus will displace confusion in your life. The first thing, the first way that he'll do that is by calling your name. You know that sound when you're waiting and you hear your name as I did? early this morning, and it says, Andrew, and behold, it's a caffeinated beverage. And you enjoy that small, double shot, flat, white, to get you going for the day. That's one level. Who's ever been at an airport and uh, in another country or travelling? You don't know where to go. You're confused. You're a little bit lost. And you see someone either with a sign or someone that you know. What about this when you are reconnecting with a loved one or a long-lost friend and you hear that person say your name with endearment and with love? There is nothing as powerful as us hearing our name from a friend, from someone that we love, from someone that we have connection with with. And here's the thing. Here's the mystery and the beauty of God is he knows you by name. You are not a statistic for him. You are not a number. You are not a barcode. You are a person. You are a unique creation. You have intrinsic value and worth. And so here's what God does to all of us. And I guarantee you that if you seek God, no matter where you are, here's what I say, your direction is more important than your sin. Where you are going is more important than your past. If you turn to Jesus, if you begin to say, Jesus, reveal yourself to me, and you wait, he'll answer you. He'll call you by name. He'll connect with you person to person. And here is what it means to uh, encounter the resurrected Jesus. When, When he calls you by name, you get a sense of your identity. A lot of the confusion in our life is that we don't know who we are. We're living out some kind of uh, mix of what our parents told we, we, we should be, the, the pattern that they set, what the media tells us, what the things that we consume. All this kind of mix, our friendships, and we don't know who we are. But when Jesus calls you by name, he displaces confusion in your life. That's the first thing. He calls you by name. The second thing is Jesus wants to give you courage. So when uh, Mary, Jesus calls Mary's name, Mary goes out and clings to Jesus and Jesus says, don't cling to me. One of my boys, when they were going to soccer tryouts and they needed to to come and, and to go, the time was to go and and kick a ball with the other kids. And he was stuck to me like a clip on, clip-on koala. Have you ever had that with kids, either your own or... Or whatever, and they're just, he stuck to me. And so, what I needed him to do, the the way that I could love him, the way that I could help him, is to give him courage and say, Come on, mate, you know how to do this. Don't cling to me. Now's the time to stand up on your own feet. And sometime in the midst of confusion, particularly in the midst of grief, particularly in the midst of loss, particularly when we're uncertain, we want to cling on to Jesus. And there's no doubt that Jesus' arms are always open. But here's where what he also wants to say is, come on, now it's time for you to take that next step. Now it's time for you to take that next step in your journey, that next step of maturity, that next step of faith. And come on, you know how to do this. This is the way. But also I want to give you courage I want to put courage within you. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. Sometimes when we've fallen down, he doesn't just want to carry us. He wants to give us a helping hand and lift us on our feet so that we can continue to grow. That's the second, to give you courage. The third is this. Jesus wants to expand your vision of God, who he is. Here's what I'd say in my experience personally, and in people that I encounter, most of us have a pretty small view of God. We have a pretty limited view of God, of what God can do, of who God is. And here we see a three stages of how people usually see Jesus. The first is an ordinary guy. He's a gardener. all right. He's a tradie. Any tradies in the building? Shout out to Tradies, tradie Sunday. The first thing is an ordinary guy. The second, she moves from ordinary guy, gardener, to teacher. He's a moral person. So some people are thinking, oh, Jesus, yeah, he was a guy that historically existed. Okay, I can move, you can get me to, he is a moral teacher. There is enough evidence to talk about the influence of Jesus on the world, the globe, on all kinds of things, hospital system, legal system, uh, civil system, all kinds of things, right? And so we can go from ordinary guy to moral teacher to learned man to influential person, but Jesus here is asking her to take that next step. And the next step is this, I'm God. I'm God. And Jesus wants to expand our vision of God. Here's a question for you. If for one moment you chose to suspend your objections, chose to suspend a little bit of your uncertainties, suspend your confusion, and you were to say, okay, just I'll create a little window, maybe about a 60 second window, and I'll jump through that window. And for that 60 seconds, I will fully embrace the idea that Jesus was the risen son of God and is the risen son of God, and he is powerful. And the things that were spoken about in the Bible, the life, the peace, the ability to have eternal life, if that was true, what would that mean? How would that change? How would I see the world differently if Jesus was who he said he was? And most often we are caught in our own world. I know that it's easy for me to get caught up in my own problems, my own needs and have a small view of God's ability to change things and a big view of my ability to not change things. But what Jesus wants to do is say, hey, I'm God. All right, you can come back now. You can come back to your objections and your uncertainty. The window is closed. The fourth thing, we're almost done, is that Jesus wants to send you on mission. When you encounter Jesus, he wants you to tell others. Who does he want you to tell? Everybody. Everybody. Where does he want you to tell them? Everywhere. What, do you want, what does he want you to say? I've encountered Jesus. What will they say? I don't know. Sometimes they'll be happy to hear it. Sometimes they'll call you a weirdo. Who knows? Last time I checked, I, I had no power or ability to control anyone else. But I do have a conviction that Jesus is who he says he is. I'll give you a story. It's a little unusual story. I believe that Jesus heals bodies. We've seen that in this church. I've seen that personally. You can talk to people here who have been physically healed. And a couple of Sundays ago, I was um, went to get some bread rolls and stuff for lunch. And I was walking past this lady uh, who is at a physio that I go to, but it was closed on Sunday. And I went over to her and I said, hey, I, can I help you with anything? This is, I go to this physio, it's it's closed. And she said, no, I'm good. And she was in physical pain and she was hobbling. Obviously she was there for a reason. And I felt a strong prompting of God to ask if I could pray for her. And so I did. I said, look, uh, do you mind if I pray for healing for you? And she said, yes, I do mind. And I said, no worries. Maybe that wasn't the story that you had. Like, I I don't know. I've got other stories where I prayed for people and they'd be healed. But I can't. I was never going to heal anybody myself. And I can never be responsible for someone else's response. If I try and push too hard, I'll be pushy and controlling. All I can do is to live with the conviction, which I do, that Jesus is real. That the power of God is real. For those of you who are believers, for those of you who are Christians, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, I want to encourage you. Share the message of Jesus as often as you can, to as many people as you can, in an open way, without being pushy, but with being honest. Here's what honesty looks like. Jesus has changed my life. Do you want to talk about it? Yes. Okay, let's talk. No. Okay. That's fine too. This is what it means to encounter the resurrected Jesus is you begin to live on mission to share the message of Jesus, to love people, to forgive people, to pray for people, even to love your enemies, even forgive people who have wronged you. That's what it means to live under and with the resurrection of Jesus. Here's the last one, and I'm going to invite um, the team to come. The last one is this, is that the last way the resurrected Jesus will displace confusion is he'll put victory In your mouth. Now, I know that's a little bit of an interesting way to phrase it, but it's something that I believe. Mary said this. She found the disciples and she told them, and she said this, she said, I have seen the Lord. And where in her mouth she was saying, Where have they taken Jesus? What have they done with him? In her mouth was grief and confusion. There came a confession of faith. Here's my message to some of you here who are struggling with issues of life, who are struggling with things that are going on, who have got difficult situations and circumstances. I don't know what they are. They might be relational. They might be unique healing. They might be financially that God wants to put within your mouth the confidence and the clarity that you've encountered Jesus. I want to tell you, I've proven this to be true and I know so many people who have applied this in their life. When you say, when the confession of your mouth becomes victorious, it becomes honouring to God, I have seen Jesus, I have encountered Jesus. You don't need to uh, ignore truth. But there is a confession that says, I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I find I was broken, but now I'm healed. I was in the darkness, but now I have come to light. Have I seen everything that I need to in my life? No, but I've seen Jesus and that's enough. Are all my problems gone? No, but I'm heading to Jesus. I'm walking with Jesus. Where is Jesus? Is He in the empty tomb? No, we are walking together in life. And I pray that as I'm speaking, something would stir inside of you, a faith and a hope that your past is not your future, that your brokenness does not define you, that the things that you are struggling with, with Jesus, He will give you the power to have peace with God And to see peace flood your situation and circumstance. And this is Jesus. This is what Jesus wants to do. He wants to call you by name. He wants to give you courage to expand your vision of God, to send you on mission and to put victory in your mouth. Right now, we're going to take communion together. And under your seat, you're going to see A little cup. It's a little tricky. There's two layers. And it's very crinkly. So don't worry about that. Once you got that, and I'll tell you when we will take that together. That's good. All right. It's all good. Crinkle time. We're going to take a minute, 60 seconds. This is your moment. Here's what I want to say. God wants to meet you. Meeting Jesus on Resurrection Sunday, He wants to meet you. Not generically. He wants to meet you personally. And so here's your moment. He doesn't mind if you believe in Him or not. But would you be bold enough to open your heart. If he's not real, you've got nothing to lose. But to say, Jesus, would you show me? Would you encourage me, either with a message, something in my head or my heart, a feeling? Would you meet me? This is your moment. So we're going to take 15 seconds. Would you be bold enough? Would you be courageous enough to open your heart in a new way? What do I mean by that? Is it to say, Jesus, if you're real, speak to me. Or Jesus, what do you want to say to me in this moment? If you do that and you steal your mind, I guarantee he will speak to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, just. It's what I feel that God is drawing people to Himself. That's what He does. He begins to enfold people he begins to give people a glimpse of his love jesus we honor you on resurrection sunday lord you are so available to meet us on our schedule which doesn't seem to make sense but it's part of the beauty and mystery of who you are so jesus we take this communion recognizing your body that was broken, your blood that was shed. And we honor you. Why don't you take this uh, wafer that represents the broken body of Jesus. Give thanks. You can take that cup that represents the blood that was poured out For the forgiveness of your sins. This is the source of our healing, our wholeness. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Right now I'm going to just give a moment. Just if anyone wants to take a step towards following Jesus. As I said before, your direction is more important than your sin. Where you're heading, heading closer to Jesus is more important than your past or your circumstance. So if you wouldn't mind just bowing your heads, closing your eyes, if that's you, I would love to pray for you in this moment. And so you can uh, just let me know that that's you just by lifting your hand wherever you are, and I'll pray for you and with you in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. So is there anyone who says, I want to head towards Jesus? Maybe there's some people here that you're a bit off track. Maybe you've stopped. Maybe you've gone on a by road. But you say, hey, today is a day where I'm committing to head back towards you. And we thank you for that. God, we thank you for the, the hands that are raised, Lord. What you're doing in hearts. How you're speaking. Lord, we thank you that your love is unconditional that you meet us where we're at. And so, God, we thank you and we honour you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's anything that anyone would like prayer for after the service, we're going to have some people from our prayer team standing over here at at your right. (laughs)